Alrighty, is that coming through this time? Yes. Yeah. Oh, mask. Yep. There we go. Is that better? Sweet. Well, I know all the faces here tonight, so that's all an awesome start. Um, it's been a little while since I've been up here, but I'm excited to preach today. Um, maybe before we get into it, let's uh, let's pray together again and ask that the Lord would be able to speak to us today. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit uh, and make him present with us tonight, that he would open our eyes to the things we might not be seeing, to the truths that you, you've already said about yourself, uh, and that we would then receive those truths with all gladness, with all joy, with all readiness as well. Um, yeah, Father, in the ways where my words might not be able to fully communicate what it is that you're saying to us today, we pray that your spirit would fill in those areas and more. Uh, he would empower what it is that I say, um, so that your truth would really reach and touch the depths of our hearts, so that we would follow you and know who you are, so that we would live uh, on your very word day by day, be satisfied by you and you alone, we pray. Amen. Um, yeah, so look, guys, in all honesty, I was actually really impressed um, by the continuity that Matt and I um, have kind of made unintentionally, uh, is probably the best way I could say it. Um, where Matt was last week, he was talking about, from, he, was, he was from Kings, I'm, I'm going from John 6 today. We didn't discuss it. Um, we just, I just picked what I liked, and uh, he was okay with that. And Matt was talking last week about you know, tearing down uh, those idols and, and defiling those places where they were once before so that we wouldn't go back to them again. Um, and today, um, I chose my, my passage um, because I just like John a lot. Um, and we're going to be looking at how it is, what, what it is we can put in place of those idols that we've torn down. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe after last week's sermon, you're in the process of, of continuing to tear down what it is you've already you've had built up before, these idols to things that aren't God. Um, or maybe there's this one idol that you're left with that you're, you're grumbling or you're struggling to let go of because will it really be worth it? Will I really be satisfied after I do that? Um, or for you, when it comes to the big picture of life, um, you're only going for those short-term wins and you're missing out on the greatest joy and satisfaction that's being offered to you today. God has good news of great importance for you and for each one of us today here. Um, as a recap on what's happened in our passage um, today, so just, just before um, what Peter read today, um, Jesus has just done the miracle where he's fed 5,000 people uh, with two fish and five bread. And after that miracle, the crowd um, actually wanted to make Jesus king because um, they saw that he was a prophet of some kind. Uh, and so Jesus then withdrew because it wasn't yet his time to, to be revealed as, as, as that person in full or to be in that position. Um, and so as it, since he, he withdrew, um, everyone went home and did their own thing, and they came back to try and find Jesus later on, um, but he wasn't there. Um, they saw that the disciples had gone um, on a boat for Capernaum, so they went to Capernaum to try and find him there. Um, in the meantime, Jesus has walked on water, joined his disciples on their boat, uh, and then boated it in to Capernaum. The crowd eventually find Jesus again in Capernaum, and they say to him, the, the, the question they ask him, not the question, yeah, the question they ask him is, um, teacher, rabbi, when did you come here? Um, as if they weren't actually trying to find him, um, which they definitely were. Um, and Jesus' response to that is that he, he cuts straight to their motives. And what he says to them is, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Um, this crowd, the, the crowd that was following Jesus, they were following him for uh, the wrong reasons, because they didn't know what was truly important about Jesus' miracle. They wanted food, and they wanted that short-term satisfaction, um, which was their bellies and their hunger, 
instead of what it was that Jesus was actually pointing to in that miracle. And so sometimes um, we come to Jesus and we completely miss the magnitude of who it is that we're speaking to and who it, what it is that he's offering to us. Um, because we're chasing food that perishes, and that's why Jesus doesn't answer his question, their question of, um, when did you get here, uh, with, I walked on water to prove that I was God. Instead, he points to the crowd's deeper heart issue. They're being blinded by their immediate gratification of their stomachs due to Jesus feeding them for one day. And because of that feeding miracle, they then miss out on the more important miracle, um, which is, is, is going to be coming on later on. So Jesus speaks to the crowd further, and after telling them that they've come to him just to fill their bellies, he then invites them to have a greater filling through doing a better work. Jesus says in verse 27, Do not work for the food that, imper- that perishes, sorry, yeah, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. See, Jesus is talking about two types of work, one that results in a perishing reward, and another that endures to eternal life. He's talking about the perishing work of the crowd searching for Jesus so that they can just have their fill of bread and fish again. But there's a food that's more enduringly satisfying than just having their fill of bread. Um, it, it's really, it's quite mind-boggling. Um, the crowd is speaking to the person who can give them the meaning to life, and instead what they're worrying about and what they're thinking about is their next meal. They're free bread and bread and fish. Uh, but are we today all that um, dissimilar to them? Uh, we are likewise, I, I believe, short-sighted and focused on those immediate, um, and uh, yeah, more focused on the immediate. Uh, we lack perspective to see what is truly important in life, and are completely content with living this way, and are completely content um, for being this way for the rest of our lives because we can't see beyond what it is that the miracle of God points to. Um, if we take the resurrection of Jesus, for example, it wasn't the, the miracle of the resurrection wasn't just the fact that Jesus rose again. The, miracle, the, the reason for the resurrection is that we would then know that our sins are forgiven and we have a right, restored relationship with God once more, where we can now call God our Father. That's what, that's what the miracle pointed to. And the miracle of the, the feeding, that was pointing to something to come. And likewise, the, yeah, with, with that, the feeding of the 5,000, it wasn't just about feeding 5,000 people with two bread and, two fi- and, five, and five fish. Sorry, yeah, two fish, five, five bread. Pointed to the greater miracle to come, and if only they would look further and see. They looked further beyond the immediate, beyond the immediate gratification that they wanted. Um, now, look, I think, looking at the crowd, I think the majority of you guys here know that I can't eat some certain foods. Um, I, love, I love dairy, <laughs> um, but can't have it. Um, I love onion and garlic. I also can't have that. Um, my bowel likes to think of those food groups as, as like bowel terrorists. Um, they just do not enjoy them being in my system whatsoever. Um, and so normally I avoid these sugars pretty well um, because the consequences of having them are I'm crook and I'm nauseous and I don't really like leaving the house. Um, but just recently I, I went on a bit of a binge um, where I ate like a whole row of chocolate biscuits which has cocoa in it, which that's normally okay in small amounts. But if I have a whole row, I can only only have three, just for perspective. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and, and I had, yeah, so I had a whole row of chocolate biscuits. I had a, um, a ton of Turkish delight. Um, I had some of Dee's auntie's um, pork, pork buns that she made, which had a bit of onion in them. And gosh, that was a good 15 minutes um, when I had it. It was great. 
Um, but believe it or not, the next day, um, the regrets were there, right? It wasn't so great. Um, the, the, the crookness that I felt, I hadn't felt in a long time. Um, but I can confirm that by, initially I was going to say by the end of the day, really by like 9 o'clock, um, I knew I'd made a bad decision. I knew that, 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 that the goodness of those 15 minutes was not worth the, the whole day that I was then going to be um, suffering for those actions. Um, the, the taste of those delicious foods there, they, they are great. I can't deny that, but they definitely can't outweigh the cost of me pursuing them. Um, 15 minutes of, of, of happiness on my tongue for 24 hours of nauseousness? No. No, that, that, that can't compare. Um, but in all seriousness, there are things we pursue that won't bring this enduring satisfaction that Jesus is talking about. Um, and they only offer a temporal and fleeting filling. You know, I, I binge on, on a Netflix show or a movie when I get home from work. And the reason I do that is because I'm tired and I don't want to think. And in those moments, what I'm actually missing out on is that I completely miss out um, that the creator of the universe is, is in that moment, is, is right now, inviting me, offering to me, giving to me food that will endure to eternal life and will give me a lasting satisfaction. Satisfaction that, that watching TV and, and, and movies won't do for me. This is what a work for food that perishes look like, looks like. It's those short-term wins that we take thinking that they're a solid replacement for God. Chasing marriage because you think that once you've got, got that, everything will fall into place for you again and you'll be content and happy and, and everything will be good. Could be that new job, seeking after that new position. Um, once you get that again, everything will fall into place, everything will be good. It'll give, you, it'll give you a temporary happiness, sure. But at the end of your days, or even if you lose that position, what, what will you have to hold for it? What, what kind of satisfaction will you have then? could be you're the same as me, the Netflix binge. It could be your apps of Facebook scrolling through, watching the videos, looking at the pictures, whatever it might be. And out of all of that, what, what, do we, what do we get from it? What do we have to show? At best, it distracts us from the crushing reality that I might get a few laughs out of it when I'm on Facebook, and I'm going to forget about it the next day. It's distracted me for a short time, and yet we spend hours upon hours and weeks upon weeks upon weeks chasing after these foods that just won't satisfy. We go to these sources consciously and subconsciously because they distract us from the fleeting satisfaction that really comes from these foods, that comes from working for these perishing foods. These foods, they, they won't bring enduring satisfaction because they will fade away. They're perishable. There is nothing that's on this world that is not perishable. And it's going to leave you with nothing to hold on to. Your source of life will perish when that thing eventually perishes. So perishable food, when you eat of it and you work for it, it only leads you to have this existing death that you continue on in. And when in compa comparison, when you compare the per perishable food with the, the food that endures to eternal life, that completely pales in comparison to, to the Lord and what it is that he's offering to you today. So we, we have to ask, what perishing gains are, are we pursuing blindly? What are we pursuing at the cost of life and meaning from God and satisfaction from Him? We can be pursuing those things that are going to bring us a short-term satisfaction, but not the, not, the, not the kind of satisfaction that God will give that will last you until eternity. Netflix can never promise you that. I, I had to isolate for two weeks. By day three, I was so tired of Netflix. Try and get tired of God. That's a challenge. <laughs> you can't. He will always satisfy. And so this is the beginning of Jesus' invitation to you. 
work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, Jesus and God himself, will give to you. This work is given to you by the authority of God the Father, through Christ the Son, and what in the world can beat that kind of work? Working for the Lord, the God who made you, invites you into his work, or working for, for a cheap satisfaction of Netflix, of satisfaction in something that's perishable. They can't compare. And so, with that, we're then left with the really obvious question, right? The one that, that everyone has to be asking of what is the work of God that will result in me having food that endures to eternal life? Well, Jesus tells us that quite easily. The crowd, they say to him in verse 28, what must we, what must we, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answers them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus tells us. And so, so Jesus then tells us, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. The food that endures is being sent by God, and our work is to, re- to receive it and to believe. This is how doing the work of God looks. God gives us what we need for life and for satisfaction. We receive it by believing. That is your work. Jesus is beginning to make this incredible claim that he is the Son of Man, that he is the one sent of God with God's own seal of authority upon him. And so, of course, the crowd are going to ask him to perform a miracle and a sign so that they can see and believe. And the miracle that they think that is hard to, that, that, that's going to be hard to beat is the manner provided by God. Um, the crowd points to this event and they say, and they say Moses gave us bread in the desert. Uh, he gave us bread from heaven, is, is what they say. So perform a greater miracle than that, and we'll believe you. It is, it is a, a bit mind-blowing that they forgot that, hey? Right? I'm just, yeah, I was, that's it. Jesus just did the miracle. He just gave them bread from heaven. Not, not true bread from heaven, but bread from heaven. From two fish and five loaves. And yet they've forgotten that. They don't know about the water miracle yet, but we do. Um, for those of you who aren't as familiar with what I'm talking about, when God rescued Israel from Egypt when they were slaves, um, they wandered in a desert for 40 years, and God sustained them with manna, which, which literally means, what is this? Um, so they were eating, what is this? Um, which is a wafer-like substance that appears six out of seven days. And if anyone tried to keep more than a day's worth of manna, it would turn foul and rotten and maggots and everything else would come out of it. So at the end of every day, you'd burn it and throw it away. Now, in short, manna was there to teach Israel an important lesson, which is, Depend on God, whose very words provide you food. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have survived. If God hadn't been there faithfully providing for them day after day for 40 years, bringing them food each day and not forgetting them and their needs, they wouldn't have survived. And so for them, the story of bread is a big deal. right? This, this, this is how their forefathers came out of slavery and lived their new life for the next 40 years. But back to our passage, Jesus tells the crowd, They've misunderstood their history, and they've got the details wrong. Um, He says, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
firstly, Jesus just kind of clears up a bit of confusion that, that the crowd has um, by just saying that it wasn't Moses who gave them the true bread from heaven. Um, because in that, in that sense, that they're elevating Moses to the position of God. God becomes a secondary actor at best um, because Moses provided the bread. But that's not the main concern right now, but it is important. The most important point is this, however. Jesus says that God gives them true bread from heaven, which trumps the manna miracle that they're thinking of with, with, with Moses. Because the true bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, brothers and sisters. The bread that the Israelites ate for 40 years was an exercise of faith that was foreshadowing the day to come when we would eat of the true bread from heaven. And that true bread of heaven would feed the world and give life to the world. It would all come through the work of God, which is through faith and believing and God's giving of it to us. The bread of heaven, it is, it is more than just a meal that's come from God's kitchen, heavenly kitchen down to us. No, it's, it's more profound than that. It's, it's not just a, an impersonal substance that we're to, to eat on and chew on. No, the, word of, uh, the bread of heaven is a he who descends from heaven and gives life to the world, Jesus is beginning to share more and more about what his mission is on this world. The bread of Moses, that fed a people group, Israelites, for a certain period of time, 40 years. But each day they had to collect that bread again because their food would perish. Their stomachs would grumble. And eventually, much like the manna, those Israelites still perished at the end of their lives. That manna didn't sustain them into eternity. The bread of God, on the other hand, that Jesus is talking about, that bread is a person. And he gives life to the world, and not just to a single people group, but to the world. It's broader, it's, it's richer. And those who eat of it will endure to eternal life. The bread that Jesus offers is better because all, of it, all who eat of it will endure to eternal life without end. Jesus is saying to the crowd that right now, God is giving you true bread from heaven. Look beyond your perishing works. See what it is that God is giving to you. See that Jesus is the one sent of God who gives true bread, bread from heaven. And to those who do the work of God, they will receive it. Believe in him whom he has sent. That is the work that we're called to do. And because as the story of Jesus unfolds, we don't just learn, we, we, we definitely find out with certainty that Jesus takes away the sins of the world and that he gives life to those who believe in him. Only God can satisfy. He's given himself to us so that we can receive, so that we can believe, so that we can have life. Are you hungry and, and tired of running from source to source, perishable source to perishable source? I know, I've, I've gone down that road where you look at your phone, and that gets boring, you go to your TV, and that gets boring, then you go to back to your phone again, because that's the only cycle that I have in my mind. What can we do? Many of us are spiritually starving ourselves to death like a dying man in a desert who refuses, for some reason, to accept the food that's right in front of him. Instead of being the blind man, be someone who sees. See your hunger and come to God for the food that endures, and you will be satisfied. You will be filled with a feeling that, that can't be compared to anything in this world. Surviving on a Sunday sermon and, and, a, and a gathering and, and a home group, that might, you might, that, might, that might go well for a week or two. But if God's not present in the rest of our daily motions, 
we're only going to be starving. We're only going to be left binging on that food that perishes, not being satisfied. And so we're going to continue going to, to, to sources of trash. We're going to continue going to those things that just will not satisfy and that just aren't even appealing when we look at them in light of being fed by God. And so, as often as we eat and drink to sustain our physical bodies, we need to receive and digest upon the Lord of Lords, upon the food of God himself, and feast deeply upon him. We are invited to feast deeply on the one who gave himself up for, for, for us, for you. If God took the Israelites out of slavery and had them wander a desert for 40 years, and he was sustaining them during that time, and the reason they were wandering for 40 years is because of their disobedience, their disbelief, and God faithfully continued to look after their physical needs. If God did that for them one day at a time for 40 years, will God not also do the same for you and me? Our Creator made us. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to be satisfied. We have a deep hunger and thirst, and God satisfies that endlessly endlessly by sending the true bread of heaven to us from heaven. So how can we do um, the works of God this week? Well, I've thought of two ways that I've tried and have been great. Every time you eat this week, spend, like, and I mean this in the most literal of senses, spend two minutes in the Bible. Read one verse. Pray over it. Go back to eating. And if you feel led to, to read more, read more. I've, I've been in um, Deuteronomy 6, which has just been beautiful. It's talking about, it's totally appropriate too. Um, it was by accident but accidents don't really happen um, because we believe in God. (laughs) And it's talking about serving and following the Lord in all the things that you do, and that's been life-giving for me. And then every time you drink, pray to God that he would be quenching your thirst in the same way that you're quenching the thirst of your body with the water that you're drinking now. And as often as we do these things, we remember the provision of God for the food that endures to eternal life. It's so easy to become busy chasing after food that perishes that we forget the life that God is offering and giving to us freely. He invites us to stop working for a food that perishes and to work for a food that endures to eternal life. Remember, the work of God is this, that you believe in the one he sent. The one who is the true bread of heaven and like the Israelites be sustained day by day through faith, through believing, in this daily bread that God gives. Finally, we get to the part where Jesus is crystal clear with his message of of what it is that he's saying. In verses 34 to 35, the crowd say to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of heaven. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's at this point that the the crowd, the reminiscent of the Samaritan woman over in in John 4, where she says to Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, Lord, give me this water that that won't make me thirst, and that way I won't have to come back to this well. They're still not really getting the point. They're still thinking that the bread is going to be this literal bread released from heaven, similar to the manner of Moses, missing out that the bread from heaven, the true bread from heaven, is going to be infinitely better than that. They fail to realize that the God-man, Jesus himself, is the bread from heaven that will give them life. And with that one bold 
statement, Jesus confesses, I am the bread of life, and those who believe in me shall, uh, those who come to me shall never, not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so if the crowd was unclear about the conversation Jesus has been having with them at this stage, um, he's, he's definitely made himself abundantly clear. Jesus is the bread of life that endures to eternal life and gives life to the world. You want to know where to, where to go to be satisfied? Go to Jesus. The reason he says, come to me, is because he invites you to. He wants you to come to him and be satisfied. When we come to Jesus as our highest source of satisfaction in life, it means that we come to him in faith to be fed food that endures to eternal life. Jesus invites us to come to him and promises a profound and soul-enriching promise that those who come to him will never thirst and those who believe in him will never hunger. Doing the work of God is believing that God will be most satisfying to our deepest, deep, for our deepest needs. Believe in Christ the Son and be fully satisfied in him. The Israelites were living the experience of total dependence on God day by day, every day for 40 years. There wasn't any room for self-sufficiency. They couldn't make the manna appear themselves. They had to trust that each day that manna would appear. They had to trust that once they threw out that day's manna, waited for the next, it would come again. But of course, being the sinful humans that we are, the Israelites, they tried. They attempted to be self-sufficient. They grumbled against God and the good things he'd been giving them and wanted more, and God was gracious enough to them to, to, to give them more. But not just that, there was so much grace from God to these rebellious people, these, these people trying to be self-sufficient and, and separate and apart from God, trying to work in their own strength. In the same way, there's grace for, for, for you who are far from the Lord today. Whether that's because you've been working for the wrong food or running from God or feeling guilty, because you've been pursuing the wrong food. God's grace and forgiveness extends to you only if you'd receive it. The work of God invites us to let go of self-sufficiency and to grasp a hold of him who it is that truly satisfies. You are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. I was, um, I was reminded of a point in my conversion that that's really stuck with me. Um, I just started going to church with my dad. I was 13 or 14. Um, and during those days, I was lacking joy. Um, but at the first church service I went to, I met my now best mate, Will, and there was something different about him. He had a contentment and joy that was just overflowing from him, and I was getting these most joyous wafts of joy coming my way. <laughs> and I was... Uh, it, it made me want to come to figure out exactly where he was getting all of this joy from, because I knew it wasn't, it was something different. It was otherworldly. It was, it was distinct. Uh, it was kind of like being in a cafe where, where I'm starved and I've been given moldy bread. But I'm starving, and so that looks pretty good to me right now. And then the person next to me will say, Will, is he's feasting on his eggs, Benny? He's got extra hash browns and, and bacon and buttery toast and everything else good. I'm going to smell that. I'm going to want it. And that's exactly what was going on. Over those next six months, I began to understand where his joy came from. It wasn't because he was becoming a beast at the gym. It wasn't because he was doing his Bachelor of Pharmacy, becoming a legend with his 
um, pharmaceutical knowledge, it's because he was working for food that endures to eternal life. He was coming to Jesus for his daily bread and drinking and being satisfied in him. And that was just radiating off him. It was distinct. It was incredible. And this is the reason that Christ came down from heaven and died and rose again, that you would be satisfied in him by faith and be fully dependent on God for a food that endures to eternal life. He shed his own blood so that you would be cleansed and renewed and able to eat of the true bread from heaven so that you would be wholly and fully satisfied from now and into eternity. When I read John 6, I, I think of all the perishing sources that I've gone to in the past. I remember how, how bland they soon become when I try to find my satisfaction. I mean, I've already shared a few. They just don't compare to the work of God. They don't compare to the life that he gives. And once we've tasted of that and seen that goodness, we can't go back. Those sources, they eventually dry up when we pursue them as our primary source of satisfaction. Like, yeah, Will was doing doing gym and other things, and they were good and they were fine, but he was doing what was important, which was pursuing the Lord first and foremost. That was where he was going for his source of life, and then everything out from there was an, on, was an overflow, an outflow from that. And then, as much as I'm reminded of those, those perishing sources I've gone to, I'm at the same time reminded of all those times I've gone to them where God has then called me back, where he's lifted my gaze to where he is in heaven, it reminded me of where the true source of food that endures really comes from. He would show me who it is that really satisfies, where it is that I'll be truly content. And that kindness, it doesn't just come from God to me alone. It comes to all from the person with addiction to the person who's been running from God to the person who's angry and, and, and upset about everything or whatever it might be. He comes to every person, any, any sin, any history, whatever it might be, he invites you to come. God's kindness comes to those who do the work of God and believe in the one that he's sent. Because the one he sent died in the place of those who believe in him. He takes on their sins so that they wouldn't just be forgiven, so that they wouldn't just be resurrected to eternal life, but so that they would also know the creator, their God, and spend eternity with him. God the Father sent his Son, the true bread from heaven, into this world to do the work that we couldn't so that we could share in good relationship with once again and eat of the, of the bread that satisfies. For this, uh, verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son believes in him, that anyone, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and raise him up on the last day. God's mission and will is that we would believe in the one whom he has sent. That's personal. It's not, it's not a vague, abstract thing away from us. God, God is on a mission for us to be saved and to be with him again so that we can have that bread that endures to eternal life, so that we would then go on into eternity with him. So in closing, there's kind of a few, a few ways we can go about this. Um, for the person who's beginning to learn about God and faith, the work of God is it, it's, it's, it's something about knowing who God really is. It's what, what, how can you believe in something that you don't know? So my encouragement to you is to spend time with the people of God, spend time with God himself in reading his word and exploring about who he really is. Because um, there's two types of knowing, right? You can 
know, like I can know Jim Carrey, and I can truly know Jim Carrey, right? They're very distinct. Get to know who God really is so that you can then have a faith that is founded in truth, in knowledge of who God is, so that you can then face whatever storms might come your way. If you want to read about the life of Jesus, I encourage you to read the Gospel of John. I love it. It's, it's so filled with life. It's where I go back to whenever, whenever things might feel dry or, or whatnot. That's, that's my go-to. and encourage you to do the same. We have Bibles that we can give you. But um, to you, believers, let Jesus be your source of food and satisfaction. Um, if he's already that source and you're going to him regularly and daily and, and enjoying and being satisfied by him fully, I encourage you, continue eating and drinking deeply of the Lord. Continue eating and drinking deeply of the bread of heaven by reading the word, by worshipping with his church, by praying in all things to God and living by him. And you'll be seen in a world that's in darkness and the light of Christ will shine through you. And that light is life and grace and true satisfaction to a people in a world that's perishing around them. And again, to, to you, believer, if you're currently being fueled by food that's perishable, stop what you're doing today and reorient yourself before the Lord. Let him be your food that won't perish. Let him be the one who takes care of you. Let him be the one who gives you comfort and security and joy and peace and complete satisfaction. That's the invitation of God to you today. because you'll never find lasting satisfaction in anything else. You'll run yourself to death going from source to source to source, from food to food to food, from work to work to work, and it'll be a meaningless vanity of a thing. But I hope that you know that if you have been running, there is grace for you. I know that if, if I've been walking, if you've been walking down that line as I have before as well, like I've been going from perishing source to perishing source, knowing that this is not the right way, then guilt and shame will, uh, will be heavy upon you. Jesus came and he gave, us, he gave us some strong words that we can live by to know that even though we are walking in those ways where we might be walking, where we are walking in sin, he will still receive us. Jesus said this. He said in verse 35 that he came to give life and that he makes this promise that those who come to him will never thirst and those who come to him will never hunger. If you want your satisfaction, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be full, no longer going to, to moldy bread or perishing sources, and come to Jesus. Second from that, and hear me all who want to do the work of God, Jesus says that whoever comes to him, he will never cast out. That's down in, in verse 37. That's powerful for us, right? That's, that's, that's my mantra. That's, that's what I have to live by if I want to know who to go to when I'm being when I'm when I'm when I'm not doing the right thing when I'm not being satisfied by God I need to be reminded that God says to me I will never let you go He invites you and then he holds you Go to God Jesus invites you still even when he knows everything you've done even when he knows all that weighs you down and he knows all the filth that you've tried living off even all the complacency you might have been taking God for where you might be taking God for granted Today, you are not so far from the Lord that he cannot cleanse you, that he cannot redeem you, 
he cannot re- renew you or sustain you. He will do all of the above because his grace goes to unfathomable depths. So we can confidently come before God to receive his forgiveness and to continue to walk in his forgiveness and to be made anew, to walk in the work that it is that he's called us to, which is to believe in him, believe in the one that he has sent, and to feast on him deeply. And so in the same kind of, I guess, spiritual direction that we had last week, starting the new year of tearing things down, would we start from here, returning to the Lord, continuing to walk in the Lord, continuing to go to going, continue going to that source that will give you true life and true satisfaction and taste and see that the Lord is truly good and most desirable. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the encouraging word that your son has spoken for the life that he has given to us in full and that he has offered to us, to the life that he invites us into, to the work that you sent him to do, to then give to us, which is as dependent upon you as anything, that we believe in the one you sent. Our mantra isn't, you know, uh, work harder, work, 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 be better, do better. It's believe in the one that you sent. Follow him, be satisfied by him, and no longer be satisfied by those perishing sources. Father, help us, please, we pray. Would you satisfy us and our needs? Would you satisfy us when we are going on that binge, when we're going down those lanes we shouldn't be going down? Would you fill us with your spirits so that we can continue to in strength, in your strength, Lord, to come before you? Would we lay to the side self-sufficiency and just pick up that dependence that you call us to have on you. To hold on to you by faith, to believe that you really will be satisfying to us, that we will endure into eternal life by doing the work of God, which is believing in you and being filled and nourished and satisfied in you. Pray, Father, for those who are far from you tonight, that you would tenderly and kindly and lovingly draw near to them and let them know of your your invitation your pursuit, your chasing after and holding on to them. Would they know that their sin, their folly, does not make them unapproachable? You, you does not make you unapproachable. But in fact, you, 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 you truly invite them in to approach you, regardless of where it is that they're at and how they're feeling or how it is that they're walking. You call us to repent, Lord, so that we can then again be dependent on you even more. Lord, we pray for all of us. Help us to be satisfied by you completely and wholly so that we would just be coming to you for our source of life and anything outside of that then be a secondary bonus extra of just enjoying the good things you put around us. Jesus, would you always satisfy us? In your name we pray. Amen.